Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Rights Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us today is Casey, our PAC Director. Welcome, Casey. How are you doing, Chris? Well, uh, today we're going to go through the 2020 elections uh, and give you an overview of all the important stuff that you need to know. Uh, first, really quick, uh, well, two things. First of all, uh, Casey is not just our Political Action Committee Director. He was our petition drive big boss man, so we don't really have an update on the petition drive because we're still counting, but how's it feel to be done? Well, by the end of it, uh, screws were falling out of the stamper, so it turns out using uh, Bates stamper 69,000 times gets a couple of different things done. <laughs> yeah, so we stamp all the petitions because we keep track of these things, uh, and we're going to mount the stamper that we've used uh, on a, like a little trophy uh, dip it in gold so it's gold-plated? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going for the more yeah. historical take. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, of course, we'll let you know when we have an update on that. It'll be weeks before the Bureau of Elections gets to counting the signatures. Another little piece of news. Uh, you may have heard, because it's been all over the news, that uh, over 200 members of Congress have filed a amicus curiae brief with the Supreme Court, and that is Latin for friend of the court. Uh, not that the court is always friends to us, but uh, a friend of a court brief uh, asking the U.S. Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. Louisiana is hearing an abortion case on March, or excuse me, the Supreme Court is hearing an abortion case out of Louisiana on March 4. Uh, it's a pretty simple case. Uh, Louisiana wants to require abortionists to have admitting privileges at local hospitals. So women can't just be dumped in emergency rooms uh, after botched abortions. Uh, with no communication with the uh, person who did the botching. Um, common sense, right, Casey? Yeah, I mean, it entirely makes sense. You've got these emergency situations because, you know, a lot of the times these abortionists are looking to, you know, get women in and out quickly. They're, you know, they're doing this to make money. You know, health and safety are not always, um, or I would say even frequently, at the top of their mind. So it just makes sense. Uh, to have those admitting privileges and know that you have that sort of hospital access. It's a health and safety rule. Really. But Roe versus Wade is so nuts that even health and safety rules, simple as that, uh, that are standard practice uh, in many other places, in many other fields of legitimate medical practice, uh, Roe versus Wade means uh, we can't always do that. And so we filed a brief uh, the Rights Life of Michigan did uh, with our, uh, our great lawyer, Professor Will Wagner from uh, the Great Lakes Justice Center, uh, just asking the Supreme Court to use this opportunity to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, no one's going to argue for Roe versus Wade being judicially accurate, not even Ruth Bader Ginsburg, even though they agree with the result. It's really perverse that we live in a country where we're going to let a patently unjust Supreme Court decision that no one can defend legally stand because a couple people who are unelected like the results. That's not right. And so, Supreme Court, our message to you, dump Roe. Roe's got to go. Uh, and what does that mean? That means that people will once again have a say on the issue of abortion. And we shouldn't be terrified of democracy. Right, Casey? Exactly. All right. And speaking of democracy, right now Casey's 
jaws clenching. Just go ahead and say it. We are a republic, not a democracy. I, I am a stickler. <laughs> I agree. But uh, for actually voting in a democratic fashion for elected officials, uh, we have a big election year. It seems like they're all big, Casey. Yep. So we are exactly two days or uh, three days into 2020. Uh, and it's already begun. Uh, we have a major election season upon us. Uh, this is really one where everything from the top down uh, is going to have an effect. You know, we've got, obviously, at the very top of the ticket, you've got the president and the vice president running for re-election. On top of that, you have a major U.S. Senate race um, with John James. And in fact, just a quick note, uh, so President Donald Trump and John James are two early endorsements that we made uh, partway through 2019 for the 2020 election cycle. Uh, we did that for a couple of reasons, but you know the key point is they're just such exceptionally pro-life individuals, uh, and we just you know we didn't want to hold back. We uh, we really wanted to go ahead and focus and make sure that those RLM PAC endorsements got done, so that we could continue and begin supporting again our pro-life president and a pro-life U.S. Senate candidate. So let's run through uh, all the races uh, from president on down to county commission, which is uh, of outsized importance in Michigan now. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. So uh, the presidency, we have Donald Trump versus the clown car primary. Yeah, uh, you can uh, <laughs> actually, if you hold your ear up to like a seashell or to like a Democratic Party pamphlet, you can actually hear like a honking clown nose at this point. <laughs> So I've lost track. How many candidates are running for the Democratic nomination? I have no idea. I tried to keep track initially. It was over 20 at one point. Uh, and they've just kind of continually dropped like flies. Uh, now, what I can tell you is that we did an initial summary of all of those Democratic presidential candidates. And what we found is that none of them are, are even you know, remotely pro-life. You know, all of them are, you know, were basically just abortion up through birth. You know, I mean, it was without question that they are not pro-life and that they're not even willing to consider the most basic standard safety practices. They're not willing to consider the humanity of the unborn child. I mean, they are full on 100 uh, percent pro-abortion candidates. Even the Tulsi Gabbard, who is somewhat regarded as the moderate in the race, uh, has said, well, maybe we shouldn't go nuts about abortion, but when you crack down, uh, not crack down, when you, when you drill down into what her beliefs actually are, it's abortion on demand through all animals pregnancy. Yeah, no restrictions. She just wants them to talk about it nicer. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, based on the, so the front runner is still moldy old Joe Biden, uh, yep. right? Uh, yep. So you've got a couple of people that have kind of moved out near the top. You know, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren. Um, you know, all people that are pretty far along on the pro-abortion spectrum there. Uh, but they're all kind of fighting and arguing with each other. And it's about February that, uh, you know, you might begin to see a few more changes as the first primaries and caucuses take place. But, uh, you know, there's maybe 10 or so candidates, I think, left in the race, but it's really those four or five there that continue to stay near the top. 
And I guess it's it would be fair to say that right now, uh, in a lot of battleground states, Donald Trump is actually leading the field, despite having a uh, below 50% approval rating, uh, very similar to uh, the 2012 matchup between President Obama and Mitt Romney. Yeah, so actually, just recently, um, I believe the poll was by Mason Dixon. I didn't look into it too much. Uh, but they did polling uh, both for the state of Florida and Virginia, and what it showed is that for the vast majority of the Democratic field, Donald Trump was was leading them. Uh, you know, people have looked at what the Democratic Party is offering uh, in the way of their radical pro-abortion stances, and people don't like it. You know, people don't respond to that. Most people understand on some level the humanity of the unborn child. Uh, so, you know, when you've got... Uh, you know, large members of the Democratic Party doing things like threatening to veto legislation for infants born alive after botched abortions. Uh, it really sours a huge amount of the electorate um, to voting for somebody who's got those kind of radical pro-abortion stances. So we'll see uh, what happens. I'm sure you're going to hear about it in the news between now and November. Uh, but uh, I would say that uh, based on the confidence level and the fact that you still have candidates piling in and rumors out there of Hillary floating around that, um, and you look at the fundraising number numbers that I would put uh, Donald Trump to be reelected as the favorite at this point. Yeah, if I were a betting man, I would I would put my money on Donald Trump winning. But you know that. You got to remember, we still all have to show up. None of us can make the assumption that uh, you know he's going to win without our vote. It's going to be close. We haven't yeah. had a presidential election that hasn't been real close since what two thousand and eight. Yeah, I mean, twenty twelve was you know a decent margin. Twenty sixteen was you know some local state votes were below, but you still got to remember that uh, President Trump you know won states that. Republicans hadn't won since, you know, 1988. So, you know, it's it's been a while. We're, we're in for a race. Speaking of uh, uh, racing, uh, so we have Gary Peters, U.S. Senator. Yes. Loves to drive motorcycles versus John James. Loves to fly Apache helicopters. Casey, in a race, would you take a motorcycle or an Apache helicopter? Uh, I would take an uh, Apache helicopter over motorcycle riding uh, Jerry Peters, uh, as he's been <laughs> a little uh, unaffectionately referred to. Um, you know, it's really amazing the contrast. You know, John James uh, is the candidate that was endorsed by Right to Life of Michigan PAC in 2018 uh, for U.S. Senate against Debbie Stabenow. He was a first-time candidate, never run for office before, and he blew expectations out of the water. I mean, he has done a fantastic job. Uh, and really, I mean, the man is amazing to listen to. He has such a deep faith and such a deep belief, particularly on the life issue and on the issue of abortion and the protection of the unborn. If you ever get the chance to meet him or uh, to go to one of his events or rallies, I highly recommend it. The man is amazing. So... He's been here in our office and uh, very impressive uh, interacting with people too, asking him random policy questions about things I've never even heard of. Uh, and he was conversant on them. Yeah. 
So uh, in that race, uh, you know, incumbent senators have a massive advantage, but uh, he came really close to Debbie Stabenow, and Gary's no Debbie. Yeah, so it's it's really quite... Gary's actually in Michigan at least more than once every six years. So right there, he's different from Debbie Stabenow, but sorry, well, go ahead. Well, no, I, I mean, I may have to disagree with that point because, like, you think Debbie Stabenow, you know, shows up to Michigan once every six years. Uh, how many people, you know, even remember that, you know, Gary Peters ran for uh, attorney general in a statewide office in 2006 he was the lottery commissioner. He was a Congress... He ran for attorney general? He did. And this is what I'm talking about here. So he was... Uh, <laughs> I, I legitimately did not know that. Yeah. He's been, uh, you know, in Congress for at least four years in the U.S. House. And then he was a U.S. senator, um, you know, since 2014 on forward. And still a huge swath of the electorate just has no idea who this guy is. He it leaves such no impression whatsoever. I mean, he's just... He's he's milk toast. <laughs> he's and he's got one great flaw uh, that John James does not, and that is he uh, was a former employee of Central Michigan University. So uh, uh, here <laughs> we go again. Sorry. Uh, moving moving on. Um, uh, Fire up chips. Okay, there. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so the, uh, the the Michigan Senate is every four years, and we uh, elected them two years ago. Uh, we have a pro-life majority there. Uh, the entire Michigan House is up for election again, and we have a pro-life majority in there right now. Are we yeah. going to have a pro-life majority in after November 2020? Uh, if Right to Life of Michigan PAC has anything to say about it. So the Michigan House, um, just for a little background, the members can serve three two-year terms for six years total, uh, which means that in the Michigan State House, it's kind of a little bit of a revolving door. There's always new people coming in uh, to this 110-member chamber. Uh, the current uh, pro-life majority is uh, 57. There's a Republican majority of 58. Um, basically, we've we've got a lot of seats uh, where pro-life members are termed out coming into uh, 2020. Um, so, you know, it's it's going to be one of those fights that we have to do because the issue is is that if Gretchen Whitmer uh, gets another leverage point kind of in budget negotiations or things like that, she's going to do everything in her power to basically push through funding for things like Planned Parenthood, you know, push through uh, pro-abortion policies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and another factor that kind of comes into play is, you know, we just, uh, you know, Right to Life Michigan, you know, Michigan Values Life, just completed its fifth citizen-initiated uh, petition legislation uh, to ban dismemberment abortion. We just submitted the signatures. Uh, as Chris mentioned earlier on, we're still waiting. Uh, well, basically, once the signatures get approved, the House and Senate uh, have to pass those legislations, and then it becomes law without the governor's signature. Well, if we don't have a pro-life majority in the state house... There's no way that we would be able to do something like that unless it were then to go to the ballot. So uh, keeping that pro-life majority in the state house is not only incredibly important uh, for keeping a check on uh, Gretchen Whitmer's and Dana Nassel's incredibly pro-abortion policies, 
but it's also critically important for making sure that you know we kind of have our full toolbox going into 2021. How's the races looking so far? You said a lot of uh, there's a lot of people termed out, but the the map is looking good relatively. Yeah, so it's it's looking relatively good. Um, you know, a lot of what kind of we're running into is that uh, with how last election cycle went, there are uh, quite a few pickup opportunities where a uh, first term pro-abortion state representative is running for re-election. Uh, and really, if we can kind of replace a lot of those state representatives with pro-life st uh, state representatives, we have a very good chance uh, at walking into 2020 or um, into 2021 with a pro-life majority there. Uh, now we do have, you know, four or five seats where, you know, pro-life members are termed out and they are marginal. So, you know, this is really something that I would put near the top three um, of our priority list. You know, this is going to be these pro-life state house seats. Uh, and all the state house seats races in general are going to be very important for us. Um, just, you know, from district one to district 110. All right. So it doesn't stop, even though those are the high priorities, doesn't ha uh, stop with our state legislature. Uh, what separates the right to life of Michigan political action committee from Planned Parenthood's political action committee is uh, we go all the way down the ticket and uh, that just doesn't include sending them a questionnaire and giving them endorsement based on a questionnaire. That includes an in-person interview. Um, so we've done that. We do that from John James on down. We haven't had a chance to sit down with President Trump yet. It's on our list. Yeah. It's no. on our bucket list. No. Uh, <laughs> I get to scratch uh, that one off. So. Right. Uh, and uh, so that enables us, because we have those local volunteers, to make... Uh, smart endorsements in local races because uh, not only do these volunteers know the candidates, uh, it's their local areas. So they have something at stake uh, versus, you know, the office staff of Planned Parenthood in Lansing has no stake in what happens in their um, local communities. Yeah. So do you want to talk about uh, county com a couple county commission races that are going to be pretty important? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, uh, you know, just a kind of follow-up point on uh, your statement regarding Planned Parenthood and their office staff. You know, the way that I've kind of always heard it and the way that I like to describe it is that, you know, Planned Parenthood may have the money, but we have the grassroots. We have the people that have the dedication, that believe in the life issue, and that are out there working in these communities every single day. And that ain't something you can buy. So... Uh, back onto the point at hand, though. So county commissioners, you know, township commissioners. Um, the analogy that I always kind of used to use was that, you know, today's county commissioner is tomorrow's state representative. Um, and it's actually really interesting. If you look at it, I think there was about eight or ten years between when uh, Barack Obama was a state senator and when he was elected president of the United States. So think of whoever your state senator is right now, and imagine that eight years from now, they've just been elected president. Uh, there is a definite, you know, pathway up for people. But what we've seen um, as basically the courts, you know, have no longer become this candy jar for, you know, Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion groups to give them rubber stamp approval 
is that they have increasingly uh, turned to local areas and local commissions and local forms of government uh, to rely on how they get things done. Uh, there are three big examples of things that have gone on uh, here in Michigan at the county commission level uh, just within the previous year uh, in Lemonston County, Oakland County, and Muskegon County. Um, so the biggest one is probably, you know, um, Muskegon County went ahead and, you know, last election cycle, Right to Life of Michigan PAC endorsed a county commissioner in Muskegon. Uh, and what ultimately ended up happening this election or uh, this earlier year is that Planned Parenthood, who had had an office in the Muskegon County uh, Public Health Building, uh, was kicked out. It, you know, in all truth, the Muskegon County Health Services needed the space, needed the building. But Planned Parenthood uh, fought tooth and nail on that for this uh, sweetheart deal, you know, to save a couple thousand... Sweetheart deal? It's like the government was giving them free room and board, practically. Yeah. And then uh, what we saw just recently is that uh, the Oakland County Commission uh, down in southeast Michigan gave, you know, half a million dollars uh, to Planned Parenthood. Um, and then uh, I believe there was an instance in Washtenaw yep. County where they were giving, Washtenaw County Commission was giving $100,000 mm -hmm. to Planned Parenthood. So, you know, you, you look at what, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood does, you know, President Donald Trump, you know, they essentially, they lost $60 million through Title X funding uh, because they wouldn't separate, you know, abortion services um, from what else they do. Well, you know, Planned Parenthood is relentless uh, in their desire of public money, and they're trying to get it from any source that they can. So, you know, it's not just about, you know, voting pro-life for, you know, your congressman, for your president, for your senator, for state reps. You got to pay attention to everything. I mean, even down to a local library board, you know, things like that. It, it matters. It has an effect. It's so tempting to uh, look at the presidential election, and, and that, of course, will have an outsized effect on everything, uh, particularly because of uh, Supreme Court. Uh, and it's so tempting to get caught up in all of that and forget that, uh, you know, I'm sure there's people in Oakland County who wish that their property tax money uh, wasn't being gifted to an organization so they could take human lives. Yeah. So... Don't ignore those races. All right, Casey, what about the judges? So, <laughs> the judges. Uh, Michigan has a really unique situation here, you know, in that we elect judges. You know, we elect probate judges, we elect appeals court judges, uh, we elect, you know, circuit court judges. Uh, and, you know, at the very top of Michigan, we elect Supreme Court justices. Uh, and it's been really, uh, really quite amazing um, kind of what happened over the last eight years. So these Supreme Court justices serve uh, eight years terms, but there were just so many continued, you know, resignations and drop-offs and replacements uh, that people were always running uh, to fill out partial terms after having been appointed. Uh, and it seems like that finally after all of that, we have gotten to the point where Again, we've just got, you know, two Supreme Court justices running. Um, and the situation we've got here is that you have a justice, uh, I believe it's Bridget McCormick, who is running for re-election 
and then you have another justice, I believe his name is Stephen Markman, who was endorsed um, by Right to Life Michigan PAC in his last run, who unfortunately can't run again uh, due to age limits uh, that are in place uh, with the Michigan Constitution uh, and judicial offices. So you've essentially got a, uh, a judge running for re-election of the Michigan Supreme Court that is not pro-life, and then you've got an open seat uh, to the Michigan Supreme Court. Uh, and there hasn't been uh, too much movement on who's going to run for that. So the, uh, the judges are actually, you know, nonpartisan. Uh, they show up as nonpartisan on the ballot. But what's interesting is that the Michigan Democratic, Republican, Libertarian, et cetera, et cetera, parties nominate candidates at their conventions uh, and then those candidates show up as nonpartisan on the ballot. It's a very strange situation, but... And a lot of people, therefore, have to do a little homework on the judges, and a lot of times they don't know what to do. And that's why, uh, for all those races from Supreme Court down to probate court, uh, anytime that we can identify a judicial candidate who's going to be fair and not uh, a pro-abortion lackey uh, is very critical and that's why our political action committee endorsement guide is so important and it's uh it's outsized importance in michigan because uh the other side now is gunning because they think roe versus wade is going to be overturned pretty soon they're gunning for michigan's old law and uh, probably gunning for michigan supreme court decision that found that uh, our old law that banned all abortions that Michigan voters supported at the ballot box uh, is still in effect. And there's obviously nothing in the Michigan Constitution that says that uh, unborn babies have no rights. Yep. Not anywhere in there. I looked. But if you get judges who are pro-abortion lackeys in there, they're going to discover a right to abortion somewhere in that Michigan Constitution. Um, they're really good at inventing uh, things that aren't true. Uh, so... Keep uh, keep your eyes out. Uh, obviously, we have a. When's the filing deadline? Uh, so it's I believe the last Tuesday or second to last Tuesday of April. I don't have the calendar in front of me exactly, but by that point, you should see everyone that's going to be on the ballot for the August primary, uh, and really from that, the stage is set for the general election in a lot of these situations. So. You know, it's it's going to be one of those fights. We do have in March uh, the presidential primary here in Michigan. Uh, so obviously, you know, Donald Trump is going to be on the uh, on the ballot there in the Republican primary. You know, we would highly encourage, uh, you know, as the RLM PAC endorsed candidate for president, that when the presidential primary comes around in Michigan in March, you go out and vote for him. Uh, but you know, in March, the presidential primary is mostly going to be the Democrats, you know, here in Michigan trying to, you know, outflank one another on how far left they can get. So, who emerges from the clown car? Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll see. Uh, so, uh, filing deadline is not for a couple months, so you won't have uh, a list of other endorsements until then. In the meantime, you just have to bask in the glow of uh, the president and John James endorsement. And uh, when we get all those endorsements out, then we'll need you to go to work and make sure that uh, we get them elected because a lot of people don't like the fact that we get involved in political races and we do endorsements, but you can't have pro-life legislation without pro-life legislators, right? Yeah. 
I mean, when we, uh, you know, when we don't uh, get involved, you know, Planned Parenthood will. So, and don't forget that they're not shy about grabbing up half a million dollars from, you know, county commissions or whatever it is, so. So we don't want that to happen. That depends on you, the voter. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again in two weeks. Have a wonderful weekend.